Something to note, all myths have many versions and variations. For this episode, we've selected those we felt are the most dramatic and entertaining and supplemented them with additional research into Blackfoot traditions. Because mythology comes from oral tradition, there's a wide variety across sources. Our myths may not always be the version you're familiar with, but we hope you'll enjoy them. Long Arrow stumbled through the early morning darkness, desperate not to lose the trail of his people. He'd been following them day and night. He was filthy, hungry, and for the first time in his life, alone. Ow! Long Arrow's foot hit a rock and he tumbled to the ground. Known to be deaf and assumed to be stupid, the orphan Long Arrow had been abandoned by his tribe, in a community where everyone, man, woman, and child, was expected to contribute. He was viewed as a burden. Laying on the ground, covered in mud and tears, he couldn't help but feel that they were right. Maybe the dirt was where he belonged, Maybe his sister really was the only sibling worth anything. Long Arrow might have lain there forever had it not been for the pangs of hunger that racked his body. There was no time for despair. If he wanted to survive, he had to find his tribe. Starving, Long Arrow picked himself off the ground and pushed on. Soon, his feet were moving faster than he'd thought was possible. His muscles ached, sweat poured off of his body. But he knew that if he didn't find his tribe, he would die in the wilderness. My ear. Suddenly, Long Arrow felt something shift inside his head, like the shell of a nut had cracked open. He reached for his ear and felt something wet. He began to pull, carefully at first, before finally giving it a jerk. Long Arrow stared at the worm-like creature in his hand, stunned. But before he could process what was going on, there was a second crack from the other side of his head. He reached to his other ear and pulled out a second worm. Before he moved to throw it away, Long Arrow froze. His eyes widened. Something, everything, had changed. Long Arrow fell to his knees as a sob escaped his lips. But this time, they were not tears of despair or pain. For the first time in as long as he could remember, he could hear. Welcome to Mythology, a ParCast original. Every Tuesday, we present dramatic stories from ancient mythology and explore their origins. I'm your host and narrator, Vanessa Richardson. You can find all episodes of Mythology and all other ParCast originals for free on Spotify or wherever you listen to podcasts. To stream Mythology for free on Spotify, just open the app and type Mythology in the search bar. At ParCast, we're grateful for you, our listeners. You allow us to do what we love. Let us know how we're doing. Reach out on Facebook and Instagram at ParCast and Twitter at ParCast Network. 
And if you enjoy today's episode, the best way to help us is to leave a five-star review wherever you're listening. It really does help. Today, we're discussing the Blackfoot legend of the orphan boy and the elk dog. It's a powerful tale of an abandoned orphan who overcame childhood trauma and the scorn of his community to change life on the Great Plains forever. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. From your morning podcast to your afternoon playlist, State Farm knows you personalize your entire day. And that's why State Farm helps you personalize your insurance with the State Farm Personal Price Plan. It offers coverage options that help protect what you care about most at an affordable price just for you. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Prices vary by state. Options selected by customer. Availability and eligibility may vary. We got another day of NBA action. And with FanDuel, every night is a watch party. So it's time for your FanDuel crew to make their bets. So, what's the move tonight, gang? You know that new customers who bet $5 get $200 back in bonus bets if you win. Woohoo! We're heating up, fam. Bet all the stars with all your friends and make every moment more only on FanDuel. New customers bet $5, get $200 back in bonus bets if you win. Make every moment more with FanDuel. It goes down in the deal. It goes down in the deal. 21 plus and present in Virginia. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued is non-withdrawable bonus vest that expires seven days after receipt. See full terms at FanDuel.com slash sportsbook. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. The name Blackfoot refers not to a single indigenous American tribe, but to a conference of four distinct groups, the North and South Pigan, the Blood, and the Siksika. They all spoke the same language and interacted peacefully with each other. To Europeans, this was enough to assume that they were all of the same tribe. During the 18th and 19th centuries, the Blackfeet covered hundreds of miles of land throughout the Great Plains region of modern-day Montana. The nomadic hunters of the Blackfeet did not originate in the Great Plains, though. Before the arrival of Europeans, they made their home in the Great Lakes region of North America. They sustained their tribes by tracking herds of buffalo, elk, and deer. As settlers pushed their way into the region, the Blackfeet moved west, first into Saskatchewan and then south into the shadows of the Rocky Mountains. Before the mid-1700s, the Blackfeet hunted for buffalo on foot. This was difficult and dangerous work as the large, powerful beasts could kill a hunter without a moment's notice. But the hunts became much easier after 1730, when the Blackfeet began using horses. While horses were actually native to North America, they died out on the continent around 11,000 years ago. They would not return to the continent until the 1500s with the arrival of the Spanish. Since the Blackfeet had never encountered this strange animal, they had no name to describe it. They initially referred to the horse as elk dog because it was built like an elk but did the work of a dog. 
Up until this point, the Blackfoot tribes used dogs as their primary pack animals. They would carry small sacks on their backs or pull small carts called travoy. But dogs could only carry so much, hindering both the size of the Blackfoot camps and how far they could travel. And they were carnivores, which meant that keeping them depleted the Blackfeet's already stretched resources. But that changed with the arrival of the horse. Once they gained the power of the elk dog, the Blackfoot tribe became the strongest in all the Great Plains. And it might never have happened had it not been for a deaf orphan boy. After being abandoned by their parents as small children, Long Arrow and his sister were forced to live on the outskirts of camp, where they spent every day fending for themselves. Because Long Arrow was deaf and couldn't understand them, everyone in the tribe assumed that he was stupid. They didn't think he would be able to contribute to their society, so they treated him like a dog. Food. They would beat and kick him whenever they found him scrounging through their garbage. So he kept his distance, lingering at the outskirts and staring longingly at the pots of boiling meat. The smells wafted out to him, tempting him to sneak in and try to steal a mouthful. If he ever grew hungry enough to approach, he would again be met with violence. Such was the case when he approached the camp of an elderly grandfather, Good Running, and his wife, known as Grandma. Get out of here! This isn't for you, feral child. Wife, leave the boy alone. He has no one. He is not ours to raise, Good Running. He has a sister, at least until she smartens up and leaves him as well. That boy is worthless. The sister is at least a fair-looking child. She is beautiful, but you should not be so quick to judge the deaf one. Your good heart will be this tribe's downfall. What good will he be on a hunt or in the camp? He cannot understand the simplest command. Good running was an elder chief and had a soft spot in his heart for Long Arrow, but couldn't deny the words of his wife. Life in the Blackfoot tribe was hard and required everyone to pull their own weight, whether hunting buffalo, gathering roots and berries, or making covers for their lodge. Everyone had a job. So Good Running did as his wife said and left the children alone. While the rest of the tribe heaped scorn on Long Arrow, his sister, who was as kind as she was beautiful, cared deeply for him. She loved her brother and was his only friend in the world. Until the day that she was adopted, Long Arrow's sister was ripped away from him and he was left all alone. Once again, Good Running and Grandma argued over the fate of the boy. Sister. How can they tear apart a family like that? Those children only had each other. They did more than they had to, taking the girl in. She has a chance now. She was the only one that seemed to understand him. Now what will become of the boy? It is up to the spirits now, though I suspect the same fate awaits the boy that awaits all weak creatures. After that, Long Arrow did his best to survive, but it wasn't easy. 
He stole scraps from the dogs and dug through the tribe's refuse for anything edible. He grew frail and gaunt. Whenever any of the tribe saw him, they would shout and chase him away, fearing that he would steal their food. As he was treated more and more like a crazed animal, he became like one. He dressed in discarded animal hides. He did the best he could to build a shelter, digging a dugout in the ground and lining it with grass. Sleep came in fits, and he often had to fight off the wild animals that slunk into his camp. Each day was a struggle for basic survival. As the days passed, the buffalo moved on, and it was time for the Blackfoot camp to do the same. They packed up the lodge and the teepees, putting their things into the travoy pulled behind the dogs. From afar, Long Arrow watched as his camp packed up, and one by one, they disappeared from view. As the last of the Blackfeet were leaving, Long Arrow tried to follow, but he was met with the same violence that had always awaited him. They threw rocks at him, keeping him at bay. Help. Stay here, feral child. We do not want you. Terrified, Long Arrow hid until the tribe was gone. He could only watch as his teary-eyed sister disappeared into the distance with everyone else. For two days, he dug through the debris left behind by the tribe, but there wasn't much. He was hungry, and his thirst was becoming unbearable. He had no doubt that if he stayed where he was, he wouldn't make it until the next moon. Scared but resolute, Long Arrow packed up what meager belongings he had and started walking. Following the trail of footprints, if he was going to survive, he would have to track the tribe, whether they wanted him or not. Next, Long Arrow experiences a life-changing event on his journey to rejoin the Blackfeet. Now, back to our story. The deaf and defenseless Long Arrow had been abandoned by his tribe and left for dead. But he refused to accept his fate. If he was going to die, it wouldn't be because he gave up. So he set out on the trail to find his people. Day turned to night, but Long Arrow didn't stop. He was starving, covered in mud, sweat, and tears. But there was no time to rest. He had to stay on the trail until he found his tribe's camp. Long Arrow tumbled to the ground. Blood trickled down his face. He was at his breaking point, but he couldn't give up yet. He picked himself up off the ground and started running. Sweat poured from Long Arrow's body as he ran, faster than he ever had. Suddenly, something cracked. It was his own ear. Long Arrow reached up and pulled something out. It looked like a worm, but even more startling than that, Long Arrow could hear from his left ear. He couldn't believe it. As dawn began to break, he could hear the birds for the first time in memory. He could hear the rushing of the creek, the sound of the grass underneath his feet. Long Arrow was stunned. 
he heard a second crack, this time from the other side of his head. Again, he pulled out a worm-like creature from his ear. A huge smile spread across Long Arrow's face. He could hear from both ears. He'd never had such an experience. He could hear everything. He could make out the sound of a mouse scurrying about its underground nest. He could hear a hawk's wings beating high, high overhead, and a creek bubbling leagues away. Even further, he could hear something else, the distant, muffled voices of his tribe. <laughs> Long Arrow began to run once more, but this time he was not crying, but laughing. For the first time in his life, he was filled with hope. Finally, after days of tracking his tribe, Long Arrow came upon the camp. He hid in the brush at the outskirts, just as he had always done. Even though he could hear, a lifetime of being a pariah had trained him to expect the worst. Long Arrow waited until the hunters left before he approached the camp. Moving carefully, he worked his way closer. He snuck around the outskirts, looking for anything left behind that he could eat. Finally, something caught his eye. An older chief was butchering a freshly caught buffalo. Good running heard the sounds of someone approaching from the brush and spun to see who it was. He turned and locked eyes with Long Arrow. Boy, how did you make it all the way here? D did you track us? Long Arrow nodded. Good running couldn't believe it. The simple, feral boy seemed to understand him. Uncertain, he waved to Long Arrow. Are you covered in dirt or blood? Both? Oh, my child. We should have never left you all alone. Come here. Let us get you cleaned up. Long Arrow inched his way toward Good Running. Good Running wiped the boy's face clean and led him to the fire. Long Arrow's eyes widened as he felt the heat kiss his cheeks. It was a brand new sensation. He had never been so warm. Good Running pulled out his knife and cut off a piece of the buffalo's stomach. He held it out for Long Arrow, whose eyes lit up. Here, have some tripe. Long Arrow grabbed the tripe and scarfed it down. Good Running was amazed and, for the first time, saw the light in Long Arrow's eyes. Long Arrow stared up at the kind old chief, appreciative of the fire and the food, and smiled. Huh. You're not stupid or crazy, are you? But you are definitely hungry. Good Running kept cutting off pieces of the buffalo for Long Arrow, first a piece of the rump, then a piece of kidney, ending with the finest cut of all, the tongue. To Long Arrow, each slice was more delicious than the last, but when he bit into the tongue, his eyes filled with tears. He had never tasted anything so flavorful and tender. Good Running continued to watch the boy, certain now that the tribe had made a mistake in casting him away. Long Arrow wasn't feral at all. He just needed 
love. Son, what this tribe has done to you is wrong. From now on, you have a home in my teepee. I'll teach you everything you need to know and see to it that you become a great hunter. Long Arrow's eyes filled with tears. This was more than his wildest dreams could imagine. He had found not just a meal, but a home. I know your birth name was Long Arrow, and from now on, that is what I'm going to make sure everyone calls you. Not stupid or simple or crazy, but Long Arrow. Good Running reached out his hand to Long Arrow. Long Arrow stared at it. This all sounded too good to be true. No one had ever been kind to him. But Good Running nodded and smiled more warmly. You are my family now. Thank you. The words shocked Good Running. Long Arrow took his hand and Good Running led the boy away from the fire. Good Running's wife looked up as he entered their teepee. Her eyes narrowed as she spotted Long Arrow. She couldn't believe her husband would bring this wild animal into their home. What is this? This is Long Arrow. It's the feral boy. I don't need to know his name. I need to know why he's here. He is not feral. I've adopted him. Why? Why would you put that burden on me? We're too old to be raising this good-for-nothing, slow-witted boy. This will be the death of me. He's not slow-witted. Then maybe it is you that's slow-witted. Listen! Good Running's wife jumped with surprise. She had never seen her big-hearted husband yell like that before. He lowered his voice, calming himself with effort. <laughs> he is not crazy or stupid. He is a good boy, and he is going to be our grandson. Look at his feet. He has been tracking us for days without moccasins. Why don't you go make him some? He'll just eat them. What was that? Nothing. I'll make the shoes. And with that, a new life began for Long Arrow. He was a quick learner, and in no time at all, he had caught up to the other boys his age and even surpassed them. Before long, even Good Running's wife came around. Long Arrow, come in here. Yes? Sit down. Your grandpa told me that you were going out on your first hunt tomorrow. I am. You're going to be a man now. You're not the little boy we took in. You'll be a proper hunter, and you should look like one. Long Arrow's grandma unfurled a quilled buckskin outfit, specially made just for him. Long Arrow was struck by the gesture. While Good Running's wife had warmed up to him, she had never done something like this. It was a far cry from her days of throwing rocks at the feral child. I'm proud of you, Long Arrow. Thank you, Grandma. The next day, Long Arrow, in his new buckskins, and Good Running, joined the hunting party for Long Arrow's first outing. Try as they might to put on a brave face, the nerves of the grown men shone through. They all knew the dangers that awaited them hunting buffalo. But this wasn't Long Arrow's first time staring death in the face. His childhood had been filled with pain and hunger. 
For years, fighting wild animals had been a nightly ritual. Now he stood tall among his peers, certain that he could conquer the buffalo. Coming up, Long Arrow learns what it will take to win the respect of the tribe. Now, back to our story. As a child, the deaf orphan Long Arrow was abandoned by his tribe and left for dead. But he refused to give up and clung desperately to survival until one day a miracle changed his life forever. He regained his sense of hearing. After that, he was taken in by an old chief and his wife. The chief raised Long Arrow as his own grandson, preparing him for the day he would participate in his first hunt. At last, that day had come. But the hunt was proving more difficult than Long Arrow had anticipated. His group tracked the herd for hours, trying not to spook the animals. But the buffalo were as fast as they were powerful, and hunter after hunter failed to get close enough to land the fatal blow. Finally, it was Long Arrow's turn. He picked a buffalo who had wandered away from the herd and crept toward it. His feet moved silently over ground, lighter than air. Before the buffalo could take his first step, Long Arrow pulled back the string of his bow and sent an arrow right into its heart. Long Arrow had done it. He'd proven himself as a skilled hunter and a valuable member of the tribe. But if he'd hoped that would earn him the respect of his hunting party, he was sorely mistaken. After the kill, no one would speak to him. They refused to call him by his name. To the rest of the Blackfeet, he was still just the feral boy that Good Running took in. That evening, Good Running and Long Arrow cleaned the buffalo in silence. Good Running could tell something was wrong. What's wrong, my boy? They'll never forget that I'm an outcast. Give it time. You have already become greater than so many of them. Sometimes. It is harder for the weaker among us to move beyond the past. I don't know if they will. Grandfather, I just want to do something that makes you proud of me. Something that will show them that you were wise for adopting me. That I'm not a waste. I am proud of you. And someday you will be a great chief. And you will do great things for the Blackfoot. I can't wait until I'm a chief to prove my worth. I need to do something now to gain their respect. Good Running studied the face of his grandson. He could see he was serious. The respect of the tribe meant the world to Long Arrow, who had been abandoned and left for dead by his own people. Deep down, Good Running knew what Long Arrow could do to gain the tribe's respect, but he was too terrified to speak it out loud. Long Arrow, I, I can't have you risk your life for the approval of others. You've seen me on the hunt. You know how capable I am. Tell me what I can do. Good Running knew that Long Arrow wouldn't rest until he told him. Reluctantly, Good Running shared his idea. There is a legend. 
One that speaks of a powerful spirit people that live on the bottom of a faraway lake. These spirits keep mystery animals who do their work for them. Creatures that are larger than the great elk, but carry the packs of spirit people like a dog. They are called the Ponokamita, the elk dog. The elk dog? I've never heard of such a creature. They are said to be faster than a deer, strong, but gentle, and beautiful beyond belief. Every fourth generation, the tribe sends a warrior to travel to the Great Mystery Lake, speak to the spirit people, and bring back the elk dog. No one has ever returned from the journey. Long Arrow took in the gravity of Good Running's words. The task sounded impossible, but he knew that if he was ever going to gain the respect of his tribe, he would have to find a way. Good Running waited for Long Arrow to respond. He hoped he would turn down the journey, but he could see the resolve in Long Arrow's eyes. I don't want to lose you, my grandson. You don't have to do this to make me proud of you. Grandfather, I know, but I am not afraid. I will do it. I will bring back the elk dog. So be it. But before you undertake this journey, you must learn to be a man. You saw me on the hunt today. I am not talking about the hunt. You must learn the right prayers, the right ceremonies, how to be brave, generous, open-hearted, how to treat the old and the fatherless. These are the things that make you a man. Yes, Grandfather. You can tell no one about the journey you are about to undertake, not even your grandmother. One morning, I will wake you, and then it will be time for you to go. Do you understand me? Yes, Grandfather. Whatever it takes, I'm ready. The next day, Good Running brought Long Arrow to the Sweat Lodge. He had to be purified of any bad spirits by the white steam. After hours in the lodge, it was time to begin his proper training. Good Running taught Long Arrow how to properly use the ceremonial pipe and how to pray. Then Good Running took Long Arrow to the medicine man of the tribe, who blessed Long Arrow and made him the medicine he would need for his journey. He took Long Arrow's shield and drew magical symbols across its face. These, he told Long Arrow, would ward off evil spirits. Good Running and Long Arrow exited the medicine man's tent. Long Arrow stared at his new shield in his grandfather's hand. He knew all his prayers. He had his protective medicine. More than ever, Long Arrow was ready. He reached out to take the shield, but Good Running pulled it back. Grandfather, I have everything I need. Please, do not make me wait any longer. You are not ready until I say that you are ready. You are just trying to keep me here. You do not believe in me. I took you out of the dirt when no one else would give you a chance. I gave you a home. I always knew you were special. Trust me. Long Arrow's face fell. After everything he'd been through, he wanted so desperately to prove himself to the tribe. But he knew his grandfather was right. He would have to trust good running. 
Days passed. Long Arrow stayed ready, but as time went on, he began to wonder if the day would ever come. Whenever he brought it up, Good Running dismissed him and refused to talk about it. Until one morning, Long Arrow woke to the faint sound of the teepee fluttering open. He rolled over and looked up to see a figure standing over him in the darkness. It was Good Running. The chief put a finger to his lips and waved for Long Arrow to follow him. Long Arrow followed Good Running out of the teepee and through the silent camp. Not a soul was awake. Good Running stopped on the outskirts, the place where Long Arrow had spent so much of his childhood. Long Arrow couldn't believe his eyes. Before him was Good Running's best dog and travoy, packed as heavy as the dog could carry, and sitting on top of the pack was Long Arrow's shield. Good Running took the bow off his back and handed it to Long Arrow. I cannot take your bow. You made this yourself. It is yours now. Oh, thank you, Grandfather. I promise I will return with the elk dog. Just make sure you return it all. Good Running lit some cedar chips, and as the sun broke across the horizon, he blessed Long Arrow with the smoke. The time had come. The old chief watched as Long Arrow and the dog headed south, following the path to the Great Mystery Lake. Soon they were little more than shapes on the horizon. Good Running trusted Long Arrow. He had done everything he could to prepare the boy for his journey, and still he could not shake the feeling that he would never see his grandson again. Thanks for tuning in to Mythology. We'll be back Tuesday with part two of The Orphan Boy and the Elk Dog. For more information on the Blackfoot tribes, you can check out their website at blackfeetnation.com. You can find more episodes of Mythology and all other ParCast originals for free on Spotify. Not only does Spotify already have all of your favorite music, but now Spotify is making it easy for you to enjoy all of your favorite ParCast originals, like Mythology, for free, from your phone, desktop, or smart speaker. To stream Mythology on Spotify, just open the app and type Mythology in the search bar. If you enjoy Mythology, you'll love my other podcast, Tales. Tales presents fairy tales the way they were originally told, orally and unadulterated. Traditional fairy tales aren't exactly suitable for children, and every Wednesday we dive into another dark classic tale. And don't forget to follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Parcast and Twitter at Parcast Network. We'll be back next week with another epic tale. Mythology is a Spotify original from Parcast. Executive producers include Max and Ron Cutler, sound designed by Carrie Murphy, with production assistance by Ron Shapiro, Nick Johnson, Trent Williamson, Carly Madden, and Joel Stein. This episode of Mythology was written by Jesse Harris, edited by Greg Castro, and produced by Freddie Beckley, Travis Clark, and Isabella Way. The amazing cast of voice actors includes Tiana Camacho, Harris Markson, Dan Velasquez, and Charlie Wess. I'm Vanessa Richardson. 